Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and it's a privilege to be here with you today. In this episode, we will begin with the topic entitled, Holding On to a Grudge. Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message. If you have something on your mind you'd like to discuss, you'd like to be part of the podcast, we would like for you to let us know. Send us those ideas at admin at livelaughtalk.com, admin at livelaughtalk.com. We would love to hear it. If you'd like to be a part of the podcast, maybe come on as a guest. You are welcomed as well. Just let us know. As you know, we love to listen to our followers. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo as well as comments. Participate in our poll. And wherever it is you listen to the podcast, make sure that you follow us so you're notified of the new episodes when they're released. The topic that we will begin with is entitled, Holding On to a Grudge. I had a friend who was that person. I mean, we did everything together. We were inseparable. I couldn't have loved him more. One day, he did something that was just against my principles. It angered me beyond words. I just told him how hurt I was, and I didn't want to fix it. He tried repeatedly and even explained his actions. But you know what? That just wasn't enough for me. The only way he could fix it, in my opinion, was to go back in time and erase what he did. Have you been this way towards someone? Have you held a grudge? Holding on to a grudge can be emotionally taxing and harmful in the long run. It's often better to find ways to forgive and let go for your own well-being. If you'd like advice on how to do that, have a specific situation in mind, Please listen to this podcast. We're going to try to to assist in that regard. And we're going to start off with some reasons why holding on to a grudge can be detrimental. Grudges can lead to prolonged feelings of anger, resentment, and even hatred. These emotions can take a toll on your mental and emotional well-being. The ongoing stress of harboring a grudge can lead to physical health problems, including increased blood pressure and even a weakened immune system. They can damage relationships with friends like mine, family, or colleagues, as they often involve conflict and can make it very difficult to communicate or trust one another. Focusing on a grudge can prevent personal growth 
hinder your ability to move forward in life because it just keeps you anchored to a negative past event. Yes. If we don't resolve the underlying issues, it just merely prolongs. Addressing the issue directly or seeking a resolution can be much more productive. So if we, we're looking to, to let go of a grudge, let's consider these things. Let's recognize and accept our emotions. See, it's okay to feel hurt or angry initially, but we need to understand why we're holding on to this grudge and, and how it's affecting our life, because it is. Let's try to talk it out. If possible and, and safe, let's have an open and honest conversation with the person involved. Communication can sometimes lead to a resolution. We can practice empathy and try to see the situation from the other person's perspective. And this can help you to empathize and let it go. But ultimately, Forgiveness is a choice. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean condoning the actions of someone else, but it's a way to release yourself from the emotional burden. Remember we talked about being anchored? On it. And if you find it challenging to let it go on your own, maybe talking to somebody, a friend, a therapist, a counselor, someone who can provide guidance, and support. But we have to remember that letting go of a grudge is a process, and it might take time. However, it can greatly improve our mental and emotional well-being, as we spoke of earlier. Also, a couple of more things that we may want to do. We want to be kind to ourselves throughout the process. Because we want to understand that holding a grudge is a common human experience. And if you're taking steps to improve your well-being, then you're doing the right thing for that experience. And if certain places, people, or situations remind you of the grudge, try to limit your exposure to them until you've made progress in letting go. Redirect your energy toward your present and future goals and aspirations. Channeling your efforts positively can help to shift your mindset. And we want to set boundaries. If the grudge involves an ongoing toxic relationship, it's okay to set healthy boundaries or distance yourself for your own well-being. Acknowledge, celebrate those small victories along the way. See, each step that we take toward letting go is a positive achievement. We should also seek closure. Sometimes seeking closure through a conversation or a symbolic gesture can help finalize the process of letting go. Everyone's journey of letting is unique. It's important to be patient as healing takes time. It's mentioned it's also okay to talk to a professional if it's particularly challenging. The goal is to free yourself from the emotional burden 
and move towards a healthier and more positive future. By the way, maybe you wonder what happened to me and my friends. Well, I eventually got to a point after some time that I was ready to fix it. I decided I was going to call him a few weeks later, you know, the day of the Super Bowl, as his favorite team was playing. Hours right before that Super Bowl, I got a call from a mutual friend of ours that he had just died. I fell to my knees. I couldn't believe it. I never had the chance to fix I never accepted his hand when he offered it to me. And his plea to get back to where we were. Now, many years later, after his death, sitting here today, it is the most painful thing I think about. And know this, I think about it often. And you know what? When I even now look at what I was so angry about, it was so insignificant. It didn't matter at all in a long scheme of things. Please don't let what happened to me happen to you. Let go of that grudge. Fix it. Have you ever heard of the term cyberbullying? Yes, cyberbullying refers to the use of digital communication tools such as social media, email, messaging apps to harass, threaten, or intimidate others. It can take on many forms, including text messages, online posts, or sharing hurtful content. Yes, cyberbullying can have serious emotional and psychological effects on its victims. And it's important to report and address it promptly to ensure online safety and well-being. Certainly, cyberbullying is a pervasive issue in today's digital age, and it can take on many forms, including, as mentioned, harassment, repeatedly sending hurtful, offensive, or threatening messages online, flaming, which is engaging in intense, hostile online arguments or debates to to demean others. Exclusion, deliberately leaving someone out of online groups or activities to isolate them. Doxing, sharing a person's private information, like their address or phone number, online without consent. Impersonation, creating fake profiles to impersonate and humiliate somebody. Outing, revealing someone's personal embarrassing, or maybe even confidential information online. Cyberstalking, relentlessly following, tracking, or monitoring someone's online activities. Trolling, posting provocative or offensive comments to provoke emotional responses. Photoshopping, manipulating someone's images to ridicule or embarrass them. 
and finally, online rumor spread. That's spreading false or damaging information about someone through social media or messaging platforms. And many people may not have heard of most of those terms, but like many terms that we talk about today, they have come along during a certain time. As now, we have the digital age. So some of these terms may not have been new one or two years ago. But when we go back five or more years, it's like, what? What is that? And don't feel ashamed if some of those terms you had never heard of. That's the reason why we're giving the information. 64% of American young adults, that's people age 18 to 29, have experienced cyberbullying. 64%. Wow. Middle school age cyberbullying victims are almost twice as likely to attempt suicide than none. That's sad. Middle school age. 41% of U.S. adults have experienced some form of online harassment. The number of Americans experiencing physical threats and sexual harassment online has doubled since 10 years ago. 75% of cyberbullying targets were harassed on one form of social media, and that's Facebook. 75% of those cyberbullying targets were harassed there. Now, it's important to address cyberbullying promptly, as it can have serious emotional and psychological effects on its victims. Now, to combat it, it's crucial to take protective and proactive measures. We want to be aware of the signs of cyberbullying, both as a potential victim and as a bystander. And we want to report or witness our experiences, reporting it to the platform or website involved. And they often have mechanisms in place to address such issues. Facebook now does. Document. Keep records of the cyberbullying incidents, screenshots, text messages, are evidence that can be useful if you need to involve law enforcement. We can also block and filter, block the bully, and use private settings to control who can contact us online. Filtering can also help screen out hurtful messages. We also may need to talk to somebody. If we're a victim, we want to talk to a trusted friend, family member, counselor about our experience. We don't have to go through this alone. Promote awareness about cyberbullying in your community, school, or workplace. Education is the key to prevention. And if the harassment is severe or involves threats, consider that law enforcement is there for a purpose. And there are laws out there. Cyberbullying. And we want to create for ourselves a safe and respectful online environment. Now, that may be a collective effort. What we mean for that is, is that it's important for individuals, schools, parents, and society as a whole to work together to combat this effectively. 
and some of the ways of combating it could be through digital literacy, which is promoting online etiquette. We want to educate individuals, especially the young people, about responsible and respectful online behavior. In addition, parents should actively engage with their children's online activities, discuss potential risks, and establish guidelines for safe internet use. Schools should have clear anti-cyberbullying policies and provide education on respectful online behavior and address incidents promptly and effectively. The community, there should be encouragement of community organizations, local law enforcement, and tech companies to collaborate in combating cyberbullying. Now, this prevention that we're talking about should be an ongoing effort with continued education and awareness campaigns to adapt to evolving digital landscapes. So we have to remember that addressing cyberbullying requires a multidimensional approach, including individuals, communities, and institutions. By working together and staying informed, we can make the internet a safer and more inclusive space for everyone. And we need to do this, and we need to do it promptly. Why? Because as mentioned, there's 64% of our American young adults that's experienced it. We have middle-aged, school-aged students who are victims. And they are twice as likely to attempt suicide. We have 75% of these targets happening on the largest social network in the world. As we have discussed these numbers and we've discussed the results of cyberbullying, we have to ask ourselves how did we get here? For our special interest, we have a special guest who will share with us the benefits of building and maintaining good credit. He's my brother, Darius Ford, mentioned in our first podcast, and we're happy to finally have him here with us today. Darius, the floor is yours. Hey folks, this is Darius Ford here again. Hope everybody had a good day. I'm going to spend a little time talking about uh, credit, uh, specifically a credit card. Um, for those of you who don't know me uh, very well, I'm a retired uh, financial advisor and banker. I uh, just wanted to share a little bit. Uh, hope this is helpful to you. Uh, a little bit of background uh, why I chose this specific conversation today. Recently, I was uh, standing with a couple of guys. Uh, one was a recent college graduate. Uh, he's 22. And there was another uh, gentleman, older guy, a uh, 65-year-old. And uh, I just happened to overhear them. Uh, the young fellow was talking about uh, something, some kind of transaction he was trying to do. 
and they had mentioned that he needed a credit card. And then, so his response was, or more of a complaint to the older gentleman was, well, how do I get credit if I don't have any credit? Uh, I listened for a couple of minutes because this was not my conversation. I was eavesdropping. And uh, the older gentleman didn't really have any solid advice. So I felt compelled to interrupt. And uh, so I gave him a few recommendations on how to get into building credit. And then so here's what we're going to get into today. So the first thing is I recommend a quality budget program, which it takes at minimum 30 days of tracking your expenses. This means getting your statements, uh, having a nice program to uh, see what you spent. And then in true definition of budget is then methodically plan what you intend to spend over a given time period. So I uh, won't get into that right now. Uh, I can help you with that later. Uh, at minimum, I would think you might want to do a, a checkup with a financial expert or a pro uh, just to see where you are. Uh, so let's get into the credit then. So if you're a young person, you're trying to establish credit, there's uh, two surefire ways that'll uh, advance that for you. So I would recommend a secure credit card. Now, in my bank career, a lot of people we're not sure, well, what's the difference between a secure credit card versus a non-secure credit card? The idea of credit is when you get ready to do a transaction, the financial institution is giving you a loan. When you show up to the cash register at the point of sales, they are giving you a loan and you get to take a swipe and then you don't have to pay that loan back with any interest based on the grace period that they give you. Typically, that grace period is anywhere from 20 to 30 days. So you get a loan, you get to make a swipe, and you don't have to pay any interest back while you use this money. Now, how do you pay back this money? You have a couple of options. You can do the minimum payment. You can make some other partial payment, or you can pay it in full. The best credit card users and the best way to pay your credit card and handle the credit card situation is to pay it in full which is very hard to do for some people in today's economy, but uh, you can do it. So more about the secure credit card. So with a secure credit card, you, the customer, you are the one who is going to put up the balance of what you intend to spend. Most banks, if you don't have credit or bad credit, they will start you out with about $300. So you want to reserve $300 to walk into the bank and say, here is the balance of money that I intend to use. And so you may be asking, well, how is that any different from a debit card? Transaction wise, it's not any different because you're given the money, it's your earned money, and then you're using that money to do your transaction. The difference is with the non-secure, that's just where the bank says, here's a balance that you get to use a line of credit and then pay us back. So with a secure credit card, Yes, it does work like a debit, but the beauty of this is it is now going to be reported to the three credit bureaus, which would be Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. So now you're no longer anonymous. Every time you make these payments on your new secure credit card, you're getting reported, and now you get to start to develop a score. So you want to pay in full, which is hard to do, I know, but 
what I recommend, like I said, have a budget program and for example, your gasoline for your car. Let's say you average $50 a week. You're going to spend that money. If you budget it for it, you're used to paying it. This is not a new expense. So what you do is instead of using your primary checking debit card to do your pay at the pump, you pull out your secure credit card and you swipe that. And then you don't swipe it for any more than 50. Meanwhile, you've already reserved that $50 in your primary checking. So now when the grace period is over and your bill is due for the secure credit card, you take it out of your reserve and then you go ahead and pay that credit card in full. You haven't lost anything. You have not gone beyond your means. You have done the exact same behavior. You just chose to use a different type of account. So get your secure credit card if you're looking to get into the credit game. That'll help you. Uh, another thing you can do is self-report to the credit bureaus. Uh, for example, if you pay your rent, chances are your leasing company is not going to report your timely payments to the credit bureaus. Your cell phone bill, that's considered a utility. Report that to the credit bureaus. Uh, that'll help you get into credit. And then also uh, one of the things that people may not know about is also get an authorized user. Uh, become an authorized user, whereas someone else who has a good credit profile and they're always going to pay their bills on time, uh, they can add you to their account, not with the intent that you're going to use any of their money, but you're added on the account. And every time their bill gets paid, you're in the game and you're getting reported too. I've been on my mother's uh, card since I was 18. So uh, that, the longer you have credit history also works in your favor as you get older and you want to do uh, bigger and better things. So I hope that works out for you. Uh, like I said, uh, I have lots of different um, sessions uh, with regard to credit and rebuilding credit. I do want to say that uh, there are a lot of people out there who say we can restore your credit, build credit for you, but understand that there is nothing legally that they can do that you can't do for yourself with a little bit of time and effort and research. So again, this is Darius Ford. Uh, with introduction to credit cards, uh, let me know uh, what your thoughts are. If you need help, uh, we can talk about it. Take care. Thank you, Darius. We look forward to more contributions from you in the future. As he mentioned, if you have any questions about credit, I wish to learn more about how to build your credit. Email us here at admin at livelaughtalk.com. Admin at livelaughtalk.com. And Darius is ready to provide the answers you need. Again, my brother, you're appreciated. As we all can benefit from building and maintaining our credit. Our sunflower message is entitled Love, and it's by Donna Seacrest. Without love, we become bitter. Our hearts tend to wither, and our souls suffer. There is no laughter, no rainbows to chase after, no reason for the heart to beat faster. Without love, there is fear. If only we would look in the mirror, we would find it's always been here. 
Without love, we forget how to love. That's what we need reminded of by angels from above. Take a look in another. If you can't love oneself, you cannot love your father nor your mother. There will be no peace or serenity, no honesty, only war and rival. Without love, we would not survive. No one alive would thrive. So again, look within, deep beneath the skin. Many say it would be a sin. The truth lies in the eyes of our reflection and never die. On Cash App at dollar sign Live Laugh Talk, on Twitter at Live Laugh Talker, and on Spotify, you can hit the donate button to support our podcast. Any and everything is appreciated. Also remember to rate us your highest rating on your podcast platform and tell your friends about us. We need not only them, we need your family members, your peers, your workmates, whoever. Let them know. In addition, don't forget to go to Etsy.com. Go there and search for how did we get here so that you can get t-shirts, coffee mugs, and tote bags. More stuff to come. This is James and Georgia's baby boy signing off. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.